most of you know that I love surfing. If you didn't know that, you could probably get a hint of it just behind me there. I love the drift of the surfboard sliding down the wave. I love looking through flowing water at schools of fish and the kelp below. I love the challenge on my attention that responding to a moving, flowing wave requires. I love sharing my day with dolphins and sea lions and pelicans. And I love introducing that activity to others. I love the excitement painted on students' faces when they catch their first wave in our surfing and spirituality program. And I love sharing that time together. Surfing for me and for many others is a spiritual practice. It is deeply fulfilling and energizing. It is one of those times in my life where it feels carefree. That said, surfing can be dangerous. You can hit your head on a board or on a rock. You can run into someone else with your board. You can get held under with the waves and drown. Because of these many dangers, there are a number of unwritten rules. Guidelines developed over time by people who understand these dangers. These rules include not dropping in on someone. If someone else is on a wave, already surfing, you don't paddle for that wave. The person closest to the breaking part of the wave has what we call priority. They have the first chance to surf the wave. Another unwritten rule is that if you're in a crowd of people and a big wave comes, you hold on to your board. Otherwise, that board can shoot out and hit the people around you. These rules, they make sense. They protect people. Most surfers I know have been hurt by people who break these rules. My own brother has a large scar above his lip from someone who dropped in on him uh, at the Newport jetties. They sent their board flying straight into his face and now he's permanently scarred. I know people who have drowned because a board got loose and hit them in the head. These rules protect people. Same goes for Jesus' statements today. Today we get some of the greatest hits of why people don't like church. <laughs> we get hell, judgment, divorce, shaming, sin, sexual weirdness, earth as a footstool, and the evil one. To many, this portion of Jesus' teaching doesn't sound very much like Jesus. Where is the loving teacher who sacrifices his life so that we might avoid judgment? Where is Ricky Bobby's baby Jesus? Where is peace on earth and joy to the world? 
As a priest, it breaks my heart to think of how many people are turned off to church after reading passages like this. People get hurt when they hear the judgment in Scripture like this. They think of the worst things about religion, all the petty fighting, the rules, the anger, the self-loathing. For those of us familiar with the Jesus way, we know that this is not the heart of the matter. We know that this does not represent the life-giving bits of God and church. So often, though, this is all that people hear about church and God. I have a friend who is the rector of a thriving church. Uh, when people ask him what he does, sometimes he says, I'm the director of a medium-sized nonprofit." <laughs> we run a food bank, a thrift store, and after-school programs. We are the hub of the recovery community. We strive to foster inclusion, empowerment, and a deeper sense of connection and meaning in people's lives. Invariably, people respond, Wow, that sounds amazing! What's it called? And he says, St. John's Episcopal Church. Sometimes, it takes a fresh context to hear the good news. Which brings us back to Jesus' teaching for today. Jesus gives us a series of rules, guidelines that are meant to protect us. Rules that prioritize safety and deep connection. Most of these rules are pretty basic. Speak honestly. Don't make fun of people. Treat others with respect. Sex is serious business. Be careful with your thoughts and obsessions. Be careful with your body, but don't be too attached to it. For the most part, Jesus takes these common sense rules to the next level. Instead of don't murder, he says don't be angry at someone. Instead of do not commit adultery, he says don't look at someone lustfully. Instead of don't lie, he says don't swear that you are telling the truth. It sounds harsh. It sounds like Jesus is holding us to impossible standards. It sounds like Jesus is teaching us to hate the part of us that isn't perfect. As if there weren't enough pressure to be perfect. To have a flawless body, to have a perfect partner, to get good grades, get a great job, build a career, to buy a home, buy a car, buy the clothes, smile, make connections, change the world, stay healthy, and die in your sleep at 104. We live under immense cultural pressure to be perfect. But that is different from this. Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying, be careful. Jesus is saying, we are deeply connected. Because we are so closely connected, it's easy to get hurt and to hurt others. Because we're in a crowd of people bobbing on their boards and trying to stay alive, we need to be careful. We don't want to get hurt and to hurt others. There's a lot in this passage that can be misunderstood. So let me break down a few things. First, let's talk hellfire. You love it. The word translated hell in this passage is Gehenna. Gehenna was Jerusalem's landfill. It was a pile of burning trash and dead animals south of Jerusalem in the valley of Hinnom. 
So when you read this passage, recognize that Jesus is saying that our curses and the things that hold us back from loving God and neighbor, those things belong in the trash. They would be better off in the burning landfill than having any part of us. Now, a quick note on sex. From the outside, Christianity seems laced with puritanical sentiment. Verses like Matthew 28, everyone who looks with lust has already committed adultery in their heart. It sounds like he's saying sex is bad. Never be attracted to anyone. That's not what this passage says. Jesus is refining the concept of adultery, marital or sexual infidelity, in much the same way he refines the call not to murder. Jesus says that not murdering should not be the high bar of Christian ethics. Have any of you listened to the uh, Louis C.K. bit on uh, if murder were legal? <laughs> it, it sounds really harsh. It's, it's an incredible hyperbole of, of a ridiculous scenario. Uh, basically, he says the law against murder is the number one thing preventing murder. And he kind of riffs on, riffs on this idea. But the point is exactly what Jesus is getting at. The bar for neighbor relations should be much higher than let's just not murder anyone. <laughs> Similarly with sexual relations. I know this verse has that shameful word, adultery, straight out of the scarlet letter. But don't hear what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying you should never be sexually attracted to anyone. He's not saying that you will be closer to God if you hate your sexual passions. He is saying that you need to be careful with what you look at and what you think. Don't objectify and hurt others with your sexual appetite. He's also saying that infidelity is not just sleeping around. There are many sorts of unfaithful obsessions. Which brings us to the possibly the most scarring portion of today's gospel. In the words of Tammy Wynette, D-I-V-O-R-C. This one's sad. So many people have been hurt by this passage. My own parents struggled with this, struggled with feeling like unfaithful people because they got divorced when Jesus says not to. Anyone who knows my parents knows that they did not belong together. We all know that they are better off apart. I also know that what Jesus is saying here is not that my parents or any other people in a supremely dysfunctional relationship, particularly abusive relationships, are bad people for getting out of that situation, bad people for choosing divorce. What Jesus says in this passage is that divorce is a big deal. You don't just sign a piece of paper when you're tired of someone. In particular, you don't leave your wife when you're ready for a new model. This is the anti-trophy wife clause. 
In Jesus' time, women were dependent on men for money. A widow or divorced woman was financially cut off. If a man divorced his wife and found some younger girl, his old wife was up a creek. Jesus' statement about caring, it's about safety. It's not about judgment, but justice. You don't ditch your spouse, and you don't steal someone else's spouse. I'm looking at you, David and Bathsheba. Like the unwritten guidelines of surfing, Jesus' statements are about safety in dangerous situations. I love the pairing of this gospel with the passage from Deuteronomy. See, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Choose life. Choose life. Love God. Love your neighbor. Choose life. If all this sounds too hard, there's good news. We don't have to be perfect. Jesus has us covered. Jesus chose death so that we might choose life. Not because we did something to deserve it. That's grace, an unmerited gift. But like any gift, it is meaningless if we don't accept it. There it is before you. Grace, life grounded in love. Choose grace. Choose life. Amen.